Hey there, my name is Derek Duvall and I'm the lead pastor of Awakened City Church in Harriman, Utah, a suburb of Salt Lake City. And I want to thank you for checking us out. Awakened City exists to connect people from all walks of life with the hope that's found in Jesus. And we hope this message will be a blessing to you. For more information, you can visit awakenslc.com. And we just began a new series in the book of Psalms. And so uh, we call, we're just, we're calling it Summer in the Psalms. And uh, we're just going to spend either uh, time in a part of the psalm or, or the entire psalm, depending on each week. And so last week, uh, we looked at Psalm 95. And uh, we've actually, if you've been a part uh, with Awaken City Church for a while now, we actually went through Psalms a couple years ago. And I laid out a lot of what Psalms is, but one of the things I did want to remind our church is what the word uh, Psalm means. So the word Psalm, it means, it's a Hebrew word that means a song sung with uh, an instrument. And so uh, when we read the Psalms, what we're doing is we're reading songs and prayers that were inspired by God and that that were then used to to worship, uh, to enjoy, and to know God. And so as they would sing these songs, it would take them back to a time and they would be reminded of when they had seen uh, God's faithfulness or when uh, they had seen uh, His and understood His perfect will for them or just been reminded of His provision for them. And I reminded the church that uh, Psalms is not written in chronological order. So it's not Psalm 1, then Psalm 2, then Psalm 3, uh, but it's a collection of these songs. And so when we look at Psalm 95, uh, we don't need to read Psalms 194 to understand what's going on in Psalm 95. Also, they're each individual songs, and so we can just look at one psalm and really study and look at it. And so uh, what I want to do is I want to read the first seven verses of Psalm uh, 95, uh, and then we'll dig into the text a little bit this morning. So Psalms 95, 1-7 says, O come, let us sing to the Lord Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. And in his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also his. And the sea is his. For he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And so of the 150 Psalms uh, that we have in the Bible, why would I choose to start off our summer with Psalm 95? And the reason I did that was because I wanted us to spend some time, I want us this morning to spend some time talking about corporate worship and what it is. As we gather together publicly again, our first time to come together and corporately uh, worship God together. And there's just, there's just something special about God's people coming together uh, and, and worshiping Him all as, as one. Now, we don't and we don't just do it because it's special. 
we've also been given the command to meet together and to worship together. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, we read, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so God desires and he encourages us to intentionally and continually uh, meet together. And he tells us to do this so that, as we just read in this passage, so that we might stir up one another to love and good deeds and encourage one another. And so what's unique about the church's weekly gathering is not that it's a time when we worship, but it's a time when we build up each other uh, by worshiping God together. And so the psalmist here implores God's people to come and in verse 1 to sing to the Lord. It says, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And then if we skip down to verse 6, he says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. And so the psalmist is imploring God's people to worship God together. And the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. Actually, every metaphor that the Bible uses is in the uh, plural tense. And so we're referred to as the many parts of the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12. We're, we're called the members of the household of God in Ephesians chapter 2. We're called uh, a flock in Ephesians 20. I mean, uh, Acts chapter 20. Uh, and a holy nation in 1 Peter 2. And so there's no such thing as a lone ranger in Christianity. We're, we're meant to do life together. And so I'm not saying there isn't a place for individual praise of God. There is, and that's every day and that's all day. But what I want to focus on this morning is the importance of corporately gathering together to worship God. And so in verses 1 and 2, uh, the psalmist has encouraged us to sing and to shout and to give thanks with songs of praise. And then in verse 3, he gives us the why behind it. He, if we look at the first verse in, I mean the first word in verse 3, he says, For, or because he is a great God. He is king, and in his hands are the depths of the earth, and the sea is his, and his hands have formed the dry land. And then if we skip down to verse 6, we read, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Verse 7, for he is our God. So he's not just a great God. He's our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So he is our, he's our shepherd. Uh, he cares for us. And he has made us his own. And and, and what's happening is all the psalmist emotions here, all of his worship, uh, the life transformation, it's all uh, coming from him taking this inventory of the excellencies of God, of the, of the greatness of God, and he's leading us in going over them and through them and in numbering them. And then he's reflecting on them in Psalm 95 until there's this just explosion of worship in his life, and an explosion of worship in our own life that leads uh, to this corporate worship. 
And so uh, I told our church on Sunday morning, and, and I forgot to mention at the beginning, as we are gathering together uh, to begin with, we, we want to take it slow. We want to step into this uh, slowly as we're all gathered uh, outside and, and it, uh, we've got the, the children with us. And it's been a while since we've been able to just sit down uh, and have, or have to sit down. And so uh, there'll be shorter messages to begin with. And so if you join us uh, next week, uh, it'll be a shorter message as we're trying to just uh, work our way back into our time together and just have an enjoyable time. And so uh, I told them it would be shorter, and, and it is, and this is how I want to end. I want to end with an illustration that I think, I think uh, does a great job of uh, showing us what worship is. And so uh, imagine you were given a painting from your mom, and that painting that your mom had was given to her from her mom. And it had been passed down for generations and generations. No one really knew where it came from or, or how long it had been in the family or if it was even worth anything. And so uh, it's given to you. You throw it in a box and it's in a box in the attic and you're not even really sure what box it's in. Uh, but one day you're up in the attic and you're cleaning things out and you find that painting. And you decide, you know what? Uh, Antique Roadshow is coming through town. I'm going to take that painting and see if it's worth anything. So you take it. Uh, to the Antique Road Show, and the guy who's looking at it, uh, the appraiser looks at it, and he notices a few unique, uh, distinct markings on the painting. And as you watch him, you notice his jaw drops and his breathing, he, he has labored breathing. It looks like he's almost ready to pass out, and he invites a couple more uh, people over to look at it with him, and they then discover and decide that this is the missing painting in uh, a collection of Picasso paintings. And, and they realize that, the appraiser realizes that this painting is worth more by itself than every other painting he's ever looked at com combined. And it's in that moment that, that his will and his mind and his emotions are all uh, engaged. And, and, it's, and the reason this is happening is because he, he realizes the value of what he is holding. And at the same time, you realize the value of what you have possessed and what you now possess. And you realize that, that you've not been living in accordance with its true value. And so from that point forward, everything changes about how you see that painting and how you treat that painting and what you do with the painting. And that illustration, better than any other one that I can think of, uh, illuminates for us what worship is. See, the psalmist is calling us to do exactly what the appraiser did. It starts with observing. It starts with thinking about who he is and what he has done. It starts with, with calculating his uh, greatness until it hits you the value and the beauty and the worth of who God is. And that's what worship is. Uh, the word worship comes from the old English word worth-ship. And so worship is to see and understand the worth of God in such a way that it changes the way you live in every aspect. That just like the painting that was in your attic, once you understand its value, you never see it, you never think of it, you never deal with it in the same way. 
And so many people believe in a higher power or some sort of God. But the difference isn't in, in knowing about him or having some relic uh, pa passed down, some a religion that's passed down from generation to generation. The difference is in understanding the value of what it is that may be possessed. And so I want to end with this final question for you guys watching. Do you understand and believe God to be who he says he is? And to have done what he said he did? Taking on our sins and our punishment and offering us a relationship with him to be made right in his sight in a way that affects every single aspect of your life. Do has that happened in your life? And if it hasn't, my encouragement to you is don't put it off. Find someone you know who knows Jesus. If you uh, don't know anyone, you can, you can uh, reach out to us and text I want more to 97,000. I want more to 97,000. And just respond, I want more. I want to know more about Jesus. I want more than what I'm living for. I want a relationship with Jesus. And you can reach out to us and you can let us know that. But don't put it off. Come before God. Confess before Him that you've not seen Him for who He really is. That you've not treasured Him for the, the treasure that He is. That you don't value Him. Come before Him. Confess that. And ask Him to help you see Him for who He truly is. And my prayer is that if there's anyone watching, that today would be the day of salvation. That today would be the day that you trust and follow Jesus. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the ability to, to record this service again. And to be able to just communicate to those who uh, are not able or don't feel comfortable uh, to join with us publicly. That they can too hear uh, your word. And God, I pray that it is your word that has been spoken through me in these few minutes, God. And I pray if there's anyone who does not know you, that this morning would be the morning of salvation. That they would come to know and trust and follow and value you, to see you to be the treasure that you truly are. And I pray and ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.